Very beautiful. Very beautiful. And coming into God's presence is very beautiful because we get to be with, with Jesus. Let's, uh, let's pray as we begin uh, this message. God, I thank you for your word. And I got, God, I just echo these, these lyrics of this song. God, that everything would point to you, Jesus. And your word would be declared. Your word would be listened to. Whatever you want to happen today, God, we just submit that to you. And we ask that you would, you would help us to not be distracted. You would help us to just know what you want us to hear today. Uh, just, we pray that you would use this time, and we pray that you would bless the reading of your word today. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I, I know uh, a lot of you guys are football fans, or at least some of you are, and I know today's uh, some big games, in the, at least in professional football. We have uh, the AFC and NFC championship games. The winners of today uh, will play in the Super Bowl in two weeks. So it's kind of a big deal this afternoon if the Chiefs or Ravens win or the 49ers or Lions win. Those will be, two of those teams will be in the Super Bowl in a few weeks to the championship of professional football. And I know just like in football, you know, they, when we play, when someone plays football, the most important piece of the game is the ball. If there was no ball... They're, they wouldn't be able to play. There, there's, think about this. You can put on all the football gear, helmets, cleats, all the pads, jerseys. You can, you can get, a, get a referee. You can have a field. You can have a stadium full of people, but without a ball, you're missing the point. There's, there's no game. You have to have a ball. Nothing really matters in, much in football if you don't have that football. Now, when you think about it, this football, it, it controls a lot. You know, a touchdown is only worth six points if the football is at a certain place when the player is running or catching. If the field goal is only determined if it's good or bad. You get points based on where the ball is. You know, even when they line up, Offsides or, or not offsides, was where the ball is. Where the ball is, it, it determines a lot. Whether or not you get a first down, whether or not you, you keep driving in the game, whatever the case is, you need the ball. So why am I saying this? Why do we need the ball? Because you can have all the right stuff, but if there's no ball, you've just wasted your afternoon. And in, our faith is just like that. It's possible to have a whole bunch of the right stuff. A whole bunch of good stuff. I mean, we, we can have the right Bible. We can come to church every Sunday. We can be involved in all kinds of things that are godly and good. But, if we don't have the main thing, it's all a waste. It's all for nothing. So what is the main thing? Christians can't be effective without knowing the gospel. The gospel message is the main thing. We need to know and understand and love the gospel. And in our mission statement here at East Bend, we 
the, the gospel message is in it. it. It's really based a lot of around the Great Commission from Matthew 28, and we're going to be looking at that more in the next couple weeks. But it's developing disciples who are reaching people with Jesus' transforming gospel. And, and those are good words. We're going to look at those in the next few weeks. But I wanted to start today with what does it mean? What is, it, what is this with Jesus' transforming gospel? What is that all, all about? Because this, developing disciples is a really good thing. But without Jesus' transforming gospel, it's not really discipleship. And, and reaching people for Christ is a really good thing, but if it's without Jesus' transforming gospel, we're just wasting our time. So I wanted today to look at what is Jesus' transforming gospel. And so if you would, turn to Romans chapter 1 with me. In, in Romans 1, um, Romans is, is the, the letter where Paul, the Apostle Paul, just he wrote kind of his, his thesis of what is Christianity and what is it all about, and it centers around the gospel. The gospel message is important, most important. And so it says this in, in Romans 1, verse 16. Are you guys there? Getting there? Okay, almost there. Romans 1, verse 16. It says, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew and then the Gentile. So it starts with this, it starts with this, where I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Paul says he's not ashamed of, of this gospel message. It, it, it could be hard sometimes to tell people, to talk to people about the gospel. We, we might be a little bit embarrassed. We might not know what to say. But Paul says that he's not ashamed and he's telling Christians that we should not be ashamed of the gospel. Okay? So, we need to make sure we understand if we're not going to be ashamed of the gospel, we need to make sure we know what the gospel is. So, according to Paul, the gospel is this. And earlier in this chapter, as he starts this letter, he, he says right away what the gospel is. And so, in verse 1 of Romans 1, he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Notice that. So he's set apart for the gospel of God. So who is the gospel of? It's of God. Is it our gospel? No, it's kind of a trick question, right? It's not our gospel, but it is our gospel message to share. It is, it is our responsibility to share the gospel message. But it's not my message. It's not your message. It's, it's God's message. Verse 2 the gospel he promised beforehand through his holy or through the prophets of his, in the holy scriptures regarding his son who to his earthly life and just pause there he the scriptures foretold what was going to happen to Jesus so it was foretold and we see here that Jesus existed even before he was born on earth okay and it says here in verse 3 that he was the descendant of David so that, that's really key because he had the right to be an earthly king. He had the right to be king. And so in verse 4, he says, and talking about the, Jesus the, the, regarding the Son, and it says in verse 4, and, and who through the Spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God 
in power by the re- His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. His identity was shown by the power of being resurrected from the dead. We can know the Gospel message that our Savior is not dead. Our Savior is alive. And this message, this good, good news of, of salvation, it comes only from Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of people in the world today that will tell you there's lots of ways to God. There's lots of ways to heaven. Or maybe this is the way to God and Jesus was a good te- teacher or something. But no, the only way to the Father is by Jesus. And so to understand a little bit more what this word gospel means, I have a, about a three-minute video to show you from the Bible Project. If you know any Christians, or if you happen to be one, you've probably heard the word gospel as a kind of summary of Christian belief, connected to phrases like, God loves you, or Jesus died for your sins. But over time, religious words like gospel can lose their power and meaning by becoming too familiar. So, let's take a moment to rediscover what this important word, gospel, meant to the people who wrote the Bible. Gospel translates the Old Testament Hebrew verb, biser, and the noun, besorah. The Greek New Testament equivalent is euangelion, which is a compound word. You means good, and angelion means announcement. All of these words mean good news, but what kind of news? Well, in Hebrew, biser is what we might call national news, or a royal announcement. Like when King David hears a messenger biser that his army was victorious in battle. That means he still rules on his throne over the people of Israel. And after David dies, his throne is passed on to Solomon, his son. And when he was inaugurated as king in Jerusalem, a herald spreads the Besorah, that a new ruler is in charge. But after Solomon's death came a bunch of bad news kings whose corruption led their nation into self-destruction. This is why the prophet Isaiah announced the good news that one day the God of Israel would come as the cosmic king to confront all corrupt and violent kingdoms and restore his rule over all nations. And so, when Jesus of Nazareth hit the public stage, he continued Isaiah's gospel when he went around announcing the euangelion of God's kingdom. Jesus claimed that God was restoring his reign over his people Israel and over all nations, and he was the one bringing it all about. Now, the euangelion about a new king in charge means a new way of life. Jesus said that living in God's kingdom meant following him by putting down the sword and seeking peace through radical forgiveness and generosity even toward your enemies. His good news required people to make a decision. This is why Jesus took his euangelion to Jerusalem to confront the corrupt and violent kingdoms of his day. But he challenged them in a surprising way with the power of God's generous love. As Jesus was being executed by his enemies, he received his crown and was mocked as a fake king. But he displayed true royal authority by forgiving his tormentors. Jesus was the one in charge that day, giving his life for the sins of others. And then, a few days later, everything changed. Jesus rose from the dead as the true king, whose love is stronger than death. 
He appeared to hundreds of his followers and told them to spread the Evangelion, that all authority in heaven on earth now belongs to him. And they did share this good news all over the ancient world. They did it by writing the four accounts of Jesus' life that are the gospel. That is, they tell the story of how Jesus brought God's kingdom, how he lived for others and died for their sins, and then was raised from the dead. Jesus. There's more of that video, but I thought just show the first part there um, about the gospel uh, from Bible Project. If you're, if you're wondering to know a good resource, Bible Project has great about usually they're all about five minute videos, so uh, recommend those. Check out Bible Project. But here they they gave us this idea of what the what the gospel means. Uh, can anybody remember the Hebrew words? No, that's okay. Be there. Good job, Amy. Beser, that was, that was the easier one. Besserah was the other one, right? And then probably the, the Greek was a little bit easier, even though it's a longer word, because we might have heard that before. Does anybody remember that one? Euangelion, good job. Euangelion, you, you know it, Emily? Euangelion, okay. That's a word, why does it matter what, is it, what it means? Well, it, it, means, it matters a lot, right? Um, so this euangelion, this good news, this, this royal proclamation, this message is about Jesus and Jesus alone. This message brings salvation. So the gospel is the message of Jesus, what Jesus has done. He rose, for our, he, he died for our sins, and he rose back to life. And we can be excited about the sacrifice of Jesus. But it says in Romans that it's not just, uh, just not, not that we're just not ashamed of the gospel. It says, because it is the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. Now, the power of God. I mean, there's not many times that the Bible refers to the power of God, and I think this might be the only time it refers to the power of God outside of Jesus. So, the power of God is Jesus, but the power of God is also the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus, this good news of salvation, is, and there's power. Now that, maybe that's, that's interesting to think about, power, because we don't always think about the gospel message is powerful. But it is super powerful. It is, in fact, this word power is is the word that comes where later the word dynamite came from this word power. So think about the power of God. The power of God to do whatever explosion, whatever he wants to happen, just explode this message of the gospel. We've seen different times in in history where the power of God, through the gospel, the the message would just spread. And it was just like rapid just a rapid fire of, of gospel being, being spread. Do we want that? Do we want lots and lots of people to know the message, to hear about the power of this message of God? I hope so. And when Paul was, one of his last letters he wrote was in Second Timothy, and he was writing to his, his mentee, really, um, Timothy, and he said in 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 8, he said, For the Spirit of God gave us, or the Spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid, 
but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, His prisoner. Rather, join me in suffering for the Gospel by the power of God. The Gospel is power. The Gospel is the power of God. And He wants... Paul wants us believers to have this power of God not just so we can do whatever we want with it, but he wants the power of God to reach people. He wants us, we don't be, we're not to be ashamed of this, this power that God has given in his message. But there's power and love and self-discipline. And, you know, Paul is writing this when he's in jail. And Paul said, join me in suffering for the gospel. Suffering for the gospel, that doesn't sound like something we would like to do. But Paul is inviting believers to join him in suffering for the gospel because it's by the power of God. The power of God is going to show people this, this power. This power that brings salvation to everyone who believes is the next part of this verse. This, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. So we've seen that the gospel message is what Jesus has done, and we've seen that the gospel is the power of God. And now we see that the gospel brings salvation. It brings people to salvation. The gospel message brings people like me and you, people across the world, people all over the world from different time periods in past, present, future. It brings people to the salvation that only Jesus offers. This salvation is only found in Christ. This salvation is that, that Jesus, He lived the perfect life. He lived showing people how to live. And even though He, was, he never sinned, He died for our sins. He took the penalty. He took my place. And he took, when I was supposed to die for my sin, Jesus took my place. The gospel is for each of us. But not everybody receives it. Not everybody believes it. Not everyone realizes it's for them. But the gospel is what Jesus did for each of us. And a good way to, to think about the gospel just in a, a few words is, Jesus in my place. I was supposed to die, but Jesus took my place. And his life was the ransom price that paid the price. It was the price that needed to be paid for it to a just and holy God that, can have, that, that is disgusted with sin. But even while we are sinners, he, he sent his son to, to come and rescue us. To, get, to live in this messy and broken world so that we can have life. So Jesus took my place. That's, that's the big part of the gospel, that Jesus took my place. And because Jesus took my place, I can have life with Him forevermore. Life now? That means I, I keep my eyes on Jesus. We keep our eyes looking to Him. That means we don't need to worry about the future. We don't need to worry about 
things that could happen that are good or bad. Bad things happen on this earth. But that doesn't mean that Jesus isn't in charge. Jesus brings salvation. And Jesus took my place. And, and then in verse 5 and 6 of, of Romans 1, you know, we read Romans 1, the first four verses, and then in, in 5 and 6, it's this response. And through Him, we received grace and apostleship to call all Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for His name's sake. And you also were among the Gentiles who were called to belong to Jesus Christ. So, so Paul is saying, once we have this message, God has given us this message to not keep to ourselves, but to, to spread to others so that other people would know Jesus. And not just, you know, not just the Jews then. It was for all people. And that's what in verse 16 is about too. It's, it brings salvation to everyone who believes. Not just those who believe in, that are Jews. And that, at that time, there was some the controversy about that. But it's for, it's for the Jew and the Gentile. It's for all people. Jesus isn't holding on to what he did just for a certain number of people. He died for all. Now, that doesn't, that doesn't mean all come to Jesus. But he did die for all. And so the gospel is for all people. Praise be to God, the gospel is for all. And so, when we think about the gospel, we think about it for ourselves. If, if, you've, if you're a believer in Jesus, if you have your faith and trust in Him, then the gospel isn't just for me to, to know and to love and to understand, to live out of the gospel, but it's also for me to show others. It's for, and we're going to be looking at that part the next couple weeks. The gospel is about Jesus and what he's done. Uh, in the, the message translation, Romans 1.16 says, it's, the, it's good news that I'm proud to proclaim. It's good news. We've heard that a lot. Good news. And it says, this extraordinary message of God's powerful plan to rescue everyone who trusts in him, starting with the Jews and then right down to everyone else. This gospel message is extraordinary. It's God's powerful plan. And it's for everyone. So we can, we can respond to Jesus in different ways. And sometimes people say, thanks for saving me, but I'm good. My life is good how I am. I don't need to do anything. I've accepted Jesus, and I got my ticket to heaven. I'm good. But that's not the response. That, that actually shows probably that someone doesn't really have faith in Christ. Praying a little prayer, I believe, can be the start of a relationship with Jesus. But that doesn't, it's not a magic prayer. It can be the start. And it, it hopefully is the start of, of new life in Jesus. But that new life is going to be evident. So I wonder when we, when we were rescued, if you were rescued... You get, you get kind of muddy in, in the muck. You get kind of dirty. But some people would rather just say, I'm good. I don't need to be clean. I, I'm just going to live how I want. I've got what I want, so I'm good. 
So I pray that that's not what you believe. Because we're not, if we stay where we were when we first heard the gospel, when we first heard of the good news of salvation and we just stay there, we are missing life. Because the gospel has the power to transform people. The gospel has the power. It has power to, to transform. So we don't just stay where we were, but we're transformed into a new creation. We're transformed to be more and more like the image of Jesus. We're more and more like God. So let me ask you, do you want to be transformed? Because transformation is not forced. You know, the last couple weeks, Dwayne's been working on this bathroom, the men's bathroom, and if you haven't seen it, uh, especially women, just wait till nobody's in there, but go check it out. Check it out. It, actually, if you've been in the women's bathroom, it's very similar, the men's and women's, very similar, very nice. But before either of these bathrooms, sorry, I should say restroom, before either of these restrooms were complete, there had to be a plan. There had to be, what do we want to be? What, what do we want this bathroom to look like? Don't just start working on it and see what happens. There has to be a plan. And in this bathroom, either of these restrooms, they went through a huge transformation. You know, we had, somebody had to, Dwayne, I guess, not somebody. Dwayne had to take out all the, the sinks. He had to take, repair all the places that needed repair, put in new faucets, mirrors, lighting, flooring, and the dividers of the stalls, I don't know what those are called, but put in all kinds of new stuff. The walls were painted. It looks really nice, but, but for the transformation to have happened, we had to let go of the old things. We couldn't hang on to the, the old things that were falling apart, that were not, that were not nice and that were, that were not good. You know, even taking off the wallpaper left a sticky glue, a residue that was all over the wall. And it took a few people to help Dwayne with that. But they came in there and they were spraying it and they were scraping it. It it was a job. But that that glue that needed to come off, we couldn't just leave it there. You know, yeah, of course Dwayne could have painted over it, but it would have been a, it would have looked terrible. It it would not have been transformed to the the design that it was needed. And so these bathrooms, they were only going to be changed if you let go of something. Something had to be let go of. I know change can be hard, but we have to let go of the things that God wants to transform. We have to let go. You know, sometimes it's, it's more comfortable to keep, hang on to the old things. And if you want to hang on to the old things, there's some stuff right outside there being thrown away. Feel free to go grab those things, I think. But, but they're not going to be very useful. So let's, I know it's, it's easier to, to stay to what we were, the more we stay in our comfort zone, to stay where things were. But if God is going to change us, we need to let him change us. He has the power to change us. But do we let him? 
You know, in every other religion, it, Tim Keller said this, in every other religion teaches, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. But the gospel declares, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. It's a complete reversal. We don't do things to be accepted into Jesus' family. Jesus did everything. That's the gospel. We don't bring anything to the gospel. The gospel is what Jesus did is done. He did it all. And if we understand and, and respond and accept that gospel, that message of salvation, then our hearts are so excited. Oh, we, we can't not be showing people how grateful we are for salvation. And therefore, we are obeying what Jesus said. That doesn't mean you live a perfect life. That doesn't mean you obey everything. But you are trying and you're moving in the right direction. You're not trying to earn acceptance of Jesus. But you are letting Jesus transform you after you have accepted his good news of salvation. So is that what we want? Do we want to be transformed? Individually, I hope so. But as a church, I, I pray that we, we as a church are, are living this out, that we are, that we are transformed with Jesus' transforming gospel, that we are letting the gospel shape us and shape our decisions, that we don't just do things just to do things or things just how they were before we just keep going. No, we, we want everything to be centered around what is the gospel and how can we embrace the gospel message. So I, I hope that that's something that we all want, to embrace the gospel. Everything's about the gospel. J.D. Greer, in a, in a book about the gospel, he said, Obedience to commands is an essential part of the Christian life, but the power for transformation doesn't come from them. The, the power for transformation comes from the gospel. Remember, the gospel is power. It's God's power. And he says this, he says, we are changed not by being told what we need to do for God, but by hearing the good news about what God has done for us. So when we hear the good news, what God has done for us, what, what, that Jesus died for me and for you, and we embrace that, we understand it, but we let it not just understand in our minds, but we let it influence our heart let the gospel influence our life. Let the gospel influence how we live and how we are joyful, how we want to obey, how we want other people to know Jesus because Jesus is life. And so as we, as we close today, I just want you to think about this, that the gospel has the power to transform people, but do you want the gospel to change you? Because if you don't, then what are we doing? I mean, it's, it's like having a football game without the ball. It seems pointless. In fact, it is pointless. The ball is so important. So the, in the same way in our Christian life, the, the gospel is the most important thing. And if we don't have the gospel, if we're not letting the gospel influence us, if we're not letting the gospel change us, we're missing the point. 
I wonder, I wonder if you think back over the last few months or last year, have you seen how if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've given him lordship, if you're asking Jesus to transform you, sometimes it, you don't see it right away, but sometimes it takes, it takes some time. So I, I just want to encourage you this week to kind of think back. If you are letting Jesus transform you, or if you're letting the gospel inform you and change you, maybe sometimes we can get discouraged. Like, it doesn't seem like it's doing a whole lot. It doesn't seem like I'm not living this perfect life. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing all these things. But remember, it's not about what we do. It's about what he did. And it's how, how we respond to what he did. And I think if we keep saying yes to Jesus, we keep saying, Jesus, you're transforming gospel. We want to transform me. If we keep praying that, if we keep saying, there's nothing I can do that's going to make you love me more or love me less, and I'm just joining in you in that love and I'm embracing you and I'm abiding in your love, God's going to be changing you. God's going to be changing me. And isn't that what we want? Don't we want to be more and more like the way God wants us to be? I hope so. Because if not, what's the point? So I just want to encourage you to, over the next few days just to kind of think back, what, is, what has been transforming in your life? And I put this in the, in the notes here. Maybe, how's the gospel changing how you think? Think about God. Think about the problem of sin. Think about life, eternal life, abundant life. How you think about prayer. How you live and serve and show love and kindness to others. How's the gospel been transforming how, you, how I use the things that God has given me, like my time, resources, abilities? Do I want that transformation from the Lord? And if you do... Let's, let's just be open to him transforming. The gospel has the power to transform people that are willing to be changed. And let's pray. Lord, we thank you that your gospel is true. We thank you for your gospel message. God, we thank you that you came and died for us. God, I pray for anyone that, that maybe just knows about that in their heads, but hasn't embraced it, hasn't experienced how full the love is that you've given, how there's nothing we can do to, that will bring me to salvation. So God, I would just pray for anyone that's, that's confused or not sure. God, that you would bring salvation to people by your power, and you would transform us to be more and more like you. God, that as a church, we would be a church of people. That people see the joy that we have. They see that we trust Jesus. They see that, we're, that we have our hope in you. And God, we pray that, that we would abide in you and in your love. God, that you would be transforming us. That we'd be growing in your grace. We'd be obedient to you, Jesus. We pray also, God, as we pray that you would 
the God of hope would fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in you, God. And that joy would overflow with a hope and, a, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray that whatever happens, that we would conduct ourselves in a manner that's worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then that we would stand firm as a church in one, one spirit, that we would strive together as for faith, the faith of the gospel. Jesus said the gospel would be what is the center part of our life, that we would understand and trust you and respond accordingly. Pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen.